episode 69. Welcome to Dharmic Evolution. Hey everybody, I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor, singer, songwriter, audio, video artist, and master storyteller. Today we're traveling to Edmonton, Canada to visit with John Kitsko. John's an aerial photographer. He's also an awesome songwriter, music producer, and he sat down and had a chat with John Lee Hooker. Strap up your seatbelts and let's go for a ride. On the Dharmic Evolution today, I am honored and really delighted to have John Kitsko. This guy is amazing. So, John, welcome to Dharmic Evolution. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, Likewise, you are amazing, Kevin. (laughs) Thanks, thanks. You know, I got to tell you, man, you are a renaissance man if I ever saw one. You're a songwriter, you're a music producer, you're a poet. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. I was just laughing my ass off when I read about you and your brother, Ted, who he helped you build a crystal radio. So let me just uh, set this up by telling you that I am an electrical contractor for many, many years and actually still licensed uh, in the state of New Jersey. And I'm looking at this and I see that you guys connected uh, a cable, a wire to the metal bed frame and reached it up to a power pole to bring in radio stations from all over the world. And I have visions of you guys just, you know, being lit up. So how did you come up with this? Well, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm not sure if it was something uh, uh, Ted wanted to do or I wanted to do it, but we collaborated on it. And uh, big brother Ted, of course, did most of this and climbed up the pole and made the uh, little antenna connection, which probably wasn't... uh, Totally kosher with the system, but uh, nobody noticed it, I don't believe, and it went on for years until somebody probably took the line down. And you guys survived. No electrocution. I love it. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's what was going through my mind. I'm having visions of this thing, and you know, like uh, the classic uh, cat that gets lit up on the cartoon with the hair flying all over the place. Yeah. Well, another time, a quick story. Another time, we crossed over a, uh, a a train bridge with our bicycles, and the train was coming, and there was nowhere to go. So we basically kind of hung over the side with one arm, uh, one arm holding the bridge, the other arm holding the bicycle as the uh, train went by, and I was crying my head off, brother Ted. Of course, being the big brother, said, hang on, John, hang on. The trade went by. We got back on the bridge and continued our journey. So you were dangling o- we were over the abutment there. Over the, over the river, basically. Oh. Yes, sir. <laughs> you guys live dangerously. I love that because I'm one of six boys and... Uh, you know, we played rough, man. There was no, you know, there was no, there's nobody around. You were sent out for the day and said, don't come back for like 12 hours. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were good times, Kevin. You know, those were, those were times when uh, we grew up and there was the outdoor Biffy. I can tell you some stories there. We had the uh, coal wood stove, uh, mom cooking on her fresh baked bread on that that stove is you know unbelievable i can i can still see the picture of it all in my mind it's and you beautiful. lived up in a rugged part of the world you're from canada you're in calgary right calgary canada, yeah. canada? no sir edmonton oh edmonton okay yes, 
Yes. That, that's, that's a couple hours, about three hours north of Calgary. Right. So you grew up where it's winters were real winters, and you guys had to go out and create your own entertainment. There was no, uh, you know, there was no iPhones and things like that. You had to use your imagination. Well, that's quite, quite right. And, you know, online meant clothing hanging online. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cool. Hey, let's give everybody a taste starting back early in your career. And I want to play this track. And this is called Pretty Little Sunshine Girl with John Kitsko. Listen up. John, great, great track. So give us uh, the imagination behind that song and how you came up with that. Okay, uh, Kevin, uh, uh, let me ask you a question. I I did not hear the song, but I guess I was not supposed to, right? Yeah, you, I'm so sorry. You can't get the video feed played back. I should have said that at the no, top. No, that's, 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 that's all right. No, yeah, sorry. So, so, yeah, so tell me about that song, John. What do you think? What happened in that song? Your imagination was somehow dragged into that, that scenario. So can you share with us you know, how that happened, how that song came to you? Yes, well, you know... <laughs> I had dated a girl that uh, lived on a farm uh, north of Edmonton, and she had a horse, Rusty, and was a the you know, only child. And uh, we dated for for a while. And uh, as uh, she was a few years older than I, and well, what uh, what happened is there was a breakup. That was my my first little. Uh, uh oh, that happened to you too. Yes, sir. Oh, and, <laughs> and you know, well, it's, you know, those things. You, maybe at the time you. you you think of them as being a, a challenge or a little hardship, but in reality, uh, those are those are good things. They're 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 character builders, and uh, uh, of course, uh, 
that's what evolved into a pretty little sunshine girl. Now, when I when I started co-writing that song with uh, Richard Melvin Brown, uh, Rick Rick was playing with, uh, uh, as you know, the infamous uh, David Foster uh, band, and uh, yeah, he was he was playing with with Red Wing, uh, actually, who opened up for an American band, Asleep at the Wheel, and and he was doing some great things. And uh, during the course of writing that song. Uh, I was at his apartment, at Rick's apartment, and in walked, uh, would you believe, uh, my first time meeting him was uh, Ronnie Hawkins, the the Hawk, Ronnie Hawkins. Wow. And, yeah, and you know, when you get someone like Ronnie who, who has to listen to what you're doing and puts his hand on your shoulder and says, hey, man, that's that's mighty fine, you realize you're onto something. And uh, that was, that was a, a, a very, one of those awe moments in life when you really... Uh, feel that you're doing something right in, in music. And of course, Rick, yeah, just an astounding gentleman to work with, a uh, wonderful, wonderful musician. Uh, he's an, award, an award-winning musician, and he operates a little a website uh, called uh, Song Sculptor in, in, in the U.S. Okay. So, so let me ask you this, John. You are a poet. Now, at first and foremost, poetry <laughs> before music, is that how it happened for you? That was how it happened for me. I, I can recall sitting and writing poems uh, at a very young age. Uh, sometimes uh, family members. I, I being the youngest, you know, being the youngest, you get you get uh, you get put aside a bit. Not not intentionally, but it just so happens you do. And yeah, people run out of energy. The parents are exhausted, <laughs> right? That's right. Brothers and <laughs> sisters say, I don't I don't want anything to do with this little twerp. You know. <laughs> yeah. Let them go off and play. So by that time, it's old news. Like we've already done this like two, three times. You know, I just have no time for you, John. Sorry. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Exactly. So you you go out and you you wander by. We had a little slough nearby. We had a railway tracks, so and you sit there and watch the train go by and sit by the slough. And you know, those, those were for me. Those were were incredible moments. You know, starting to learn about life. And right. Life. Explain a slough. Well, there's a. <laughs> you're, you're talking a river. You're talking a tiny river, or just no, a just no, a tiny little pond. You know, right? With, Got yeah, it. With for the ducks, for ducks the for our some of our European friends, they're going to say, "What is he talking about? A slough? Yeah, is that like a bobsled in Canada? What is that?" <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, just a little pond. You know, it just freeze over and right before before we built our skating rink, I think we'd go there and maybe even skate around a bit in the winter time. You know, if I recall, right. And and hockey was like it, that was an, a must, right? Did you play hockey or no? Oh yeah, yeah. Hockey, like, isn't that the law? That's like it's the same law in New Jersey. Only when you get old, they ship you to Florida. I, there's a train down there. They just they just herd you into a train and say go to Florida after a certain age. So it's <laughs> so it's the same thing in Canada. Like you're born and they they're putting they're putting hockey skates on you as you're coming out of your mother, right? Here. Yeah, yeah, you have this image that you're holding a hockey stick and wearing skates when you're born. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So, 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 were you serious about it, or you were too busy with music and and poetry? Well, you know, I I, I think the the baseball, uh, the uh, the hockey, just the simply skating around. We actually, that's another interesting thing. Uh, Brother Ted had a radio outside by the skating rink, so we'd have the music playing in the background. And we'd be out skating with neighborhood kids and Ted's friends. And, and is Ted a, is Ted a DJ? Like he's obsessed with the radio. He's got it at the bed frame. He's got it out <laughs> on the hockey arena. What the hell is going on with Ted? Like <laughs> well, he's got to be in radio, right? Does uh, he own t- Does he own TBS with Ted Turner or something? <laughs> no, <laughs> but Ted's an incredible, incredible guy, incredible, incredible brother. I love him very much. And you know, it wasn't for Ted, I wouldn't have this this music in my system. He started 
we started with the accordion. He started teaching me accordion when I was very young and, and he had this ruler in his hand and I always looking at that ruler. What's he going to do with that ruler? But you know, he was, he was kind and, and gentle and, and really nice, nice. And, uh, I guess he gave me a, a little bit of a, uh, rap on the fingers now and then if I was doing something wrong or maybe he was not uh, so feeding. big heart but he was a harsh taskmaster no well it's like that's it that's right <laughs> yeah and, hey you know, and, go and, ahead and t- t- sorry sorry and, and t- yeah. Ted I, I he still plays he still plays in the band still plays accordion from the time he was 16 he's around 75 now excuse me if I got that wrong Ted and uh, Ted still plays in the band and, and mostly for uh, for seniors and for uh for Alzheimer's patients, for charity, basically. That's awesome. Do you guys ever get a chance to, like, jam, just sit down and just, you know, pull out the instruments and mess around? What do you think? No? We did at one time. Actually, at one time when I was quite young, I would sit sit in and I would do the drums and uh, with the band, and that was kind of fun. And, of course, uh, there's, been, there's an age difference between Brother Ted and myself. I, I being the youngest, he being the oldest, there's an age difference. But I have had the invitation from Ted to come in and join him on, on his band from time to time. And, and you know, Kevin, as much as I would like to, I, I was being involved in aerial photography, I was out traveling. I was I was away from home a lot with, with our business, and uh, uh, that kept me apart from music, actually, for, for a few years. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. But let me ask you first, what is your favorite instrument? Look like what was your first and primary instrument? What do you play? First and primary was uh, was the uh, uh, Honer 12-bass accordion. Okay. And yes, after that, uh, kind of self-taught on guitar. Uh, learned a, a few drum uh, riffs from, from Brother Ted. Uh yeah, basically. Yeah, you're the complete musician, man. You could play, like you could play a set of pots and pans if I handed them to you, I'm sure. Hey, let's take a little break and go off and check out this first class in a big black Cadillac with John Kitsko. Big black Cadillac, I'm going away And I won't be coming back One day I'll take a ride In a big black Cadillac I think you've strayed So I don't care what you say Maybe today gonna drive away First class In a big black Cadillac
Wow, what a what a production on that, man. That is awesome. And you know, I got to tell you something. The singer sounds very familiar, pleasantly familiar to me. Tell me about that, John. Well, you know, uh, Kevin, after, uh, first of all, there was a, there was quite a stretch between Pretty Little Sunshine Girl and my, my uh, songwriting uh, as of late. Uh, of course, you know, when I wrote Sunshine Girl back in 77 with Richard Melvin Brown, uh, just kind of getting into the uh, uh, learning stage of, of my life, uh, married, getting married, raising children, you know, uh, getting uh, uh, into a profession which is property management at the time and, uh, and moving around uh, the province of Alberta, moved to Red Deer, worked there with, and my wife taught school and did just different things like that. And anyways, as, as when I came back to music, uh, uh, one of the songs that I wrote uh, on a cold winter day, I think I had the flu bug and I sat down the, at the keyboard and I wrote uh, a very rough ver- version of the Big Black Cadillac, which was firstly uh, recorded by uh, Jerry Dare, who was uh, uh, working with some uh, well-known uh, bands on, on the West Coast. and uh, He worked with West Acus and the Rebels and, of course, uh, the uh, Sundown Studio where, where he was an engineer. Uh, they were they they had luminaries such as the uh, Everly Brothers or Roy Orbison or uh, Randy Bachman. Would you believe coming to Edmonton to record and that's in that studio in Sundown Studio? Wow, Incredible that was studio. royalty at the time, right? That was yeah, that was man. royalty at the time. Yes, yeah, sir. still, and, and still, know, those guys are all re- really, really awesome artists. They are indeed. They are indeed, and. Uh, Randy Bachman, of course, does a radio show in Canada. and uh, Oh, does he? That's what he's doing these days, huh? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, Ronnie, I don't know about him, uh, but, uh, and Roy Orbison. Roy Orbison, I met Roy uh, going to one of his concerts. I met him personally because I was crossing the parking lot, and uh, I was a young man, and I saw this little trailer, and I thought that it was security. And I would knock on the door, and I'd ask him uh, the quickest way to get to the uh, uh, the old Edmonton Gardens, where they had the the showing uh, his show, and uh, uh, the, the little uh, skid shack opened up, and and who comes out? A tall man in black with dark glasses, Roy Orbison. And he says, "Come on in. I'm just polishing my shoes, getting ready for the show. Come on, sit and talk for a bit." And uh, there was me and Roy Orbison having a little chat in this little skid shed outside of the old Edmonton Gardens, which was a, a phenomenal moment. Uh, it's funny. It's funny how uh, certain things happen in in life, uh, Kevin, that, that give you the, uh, some inspiration much later, much later date. So you were hanging with Roy Orbison. I was hanging out with Roy Orbison. Man, it was that guy like the purest voice you ever heard. I mean, he just like his approach to to singing and writing was just effortless. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But you know, getting back to uh, continuing to uh, getting back to songwriting. After years in property management, years in uh, aerial photography, uh, I started accumulating uh, numerous songs. And I, as I stated, I wrote the Big Black Cadillac on a cold winter's day, uh, suffering from the flu bug and uh, talking about uh, in the song about perhaps mortality, one's life and afterlife, that sort of thing. And, and the, that's, the, that's the word, Big Black Cadillac. And, and Jerry uh, Dare had, had his version, which uh, I sent along to a uh, a gal in, in Calgary, J.D. Marie. I uh, know J.D., yes. If, and and you know, that's who's singing on this track, right? 
That's who's singing on the track, and, and what an awesome person, an awesome voice. Uh, yeah, she's got the super creative juice. Uh, for for those of you folks who don't know J.D. Marie, who has uh, a very tight affiliation with um, with John, um, you got to check out episode DE fifty one and listen to her music. And actually, on that on that interview, you can hear more of John's work on that so, on that uh, particular interview. And yeah, she's a peach. So, how did you guys hook up? How did you guys meet, John? Well, as you know, Kevin, there's a music site in the U.S. So, well, uh, Reverb Nation. And Reverb I've Nation, heard of that. Yes, you, yes, I'm sure. And uh, <laughs> Re- Reverb Nation has a lot of. Uh, a lot of musicians from Canada, the U.S., probably the world over. Probably, I think three million, if I'm not mistaken, is yeah, growing. Yeah, it's daily. huge. Yeah, it's yeah, huge. And uh, uh, I came across some music by by J.D. Marie and uh, shipped her off some of my music, and that was the ultimate beginning. And uh, since that happened, of course, J.D. Marie has relocated to Nashville. Uh, one of her uh, co-writers, uh, Jacqueline Kellogg from Calgary, whom I think you might know. Yes, uh, Jack- she's been on the show also. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and I actually recently uh, co-written with uh, with J.D. Marie and with Jacqueline Kellogg. We have uh, two songs coming out, uh, being recorded in Nashville, which in itself is just absolutely incredible. I'm just uh, blown away by that, and looking forward to that very much. I can't I can't say I can't say enough about J.D. Marie. She's just uh, just just a wonderful person, and and I I wish her the absolute best in Nashville. I hope I hope the world gets to hear her. Yes, yes. I've been in touch with her down there. She's having a party. Actually, she's uh, she had a meeting with uh, my dear friend and producer, Kim Copeland, and those guys hit it off. So they're talking. They may end up doing some work together. Hey, John, I wanted to ask you about this aerial photography, man. This is so cool. How did you get into this? Because there's this show on cable down here in the States. I think it's called Aerial America. And all it is is probably what you do, which is, you know, planes flying over with this unbelievably beautiful uh, photography, um, you know, moving photography, like watching all of these great sites all across the United States, whether it's um, national parks or historic buildings or, or what, what have you. So how did you get into this? Well, I... It was a chance meeting, uh, Kevin. I was in, involved with uh, property management, and uh, at the same time, I was doing some part-time sales for uh, for General Electric uh, that operated a they had a an outfit out of Ontario that had a uh, uh, a division, I suppose. And here I was selling lighting part-time, and I went into a little store in in Edmonton. Uh, and uh, just happened to happened to say hello to somebody in the store who was also there doing business with with the store manager store owner, and we struck up a conversation. And this fellow da 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 he had a cousin that had uh, that was uh, selling aerial photographs, and he thought, gee, I would be the perfect fit to uh, get involved in that business. Well, I, I ended up meeting Terry Hominick, who operated a, a company called Bird's Eye View. Terry later uh, crashed and. Uh, in a small plane, of course, and uh, uh, but uh, yeah, meeting up with with Terry and uh, getting to learn the ropes of aerial photography, going around to to farms all all day, you know, all time of times of the day and night, you know, you call on on a small farm and you present a photograph of their farm. And well, it's a horrible and, way to go. 
Yeah. For him. That's, that's, but, but, you know, on the brighter side, you know, he brought you into that world, huh? And by the way, you were selling lighting proje- uh, products for GE. <laughs> you know, yes, we, sh- we should have met because I probably installed a lot of the lighting products that you sold in my past <laughs> life. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's incredible. That's incredible. And, you know, you know, that, that it, everything, everything is good. Everything, all things are good. All things in life are good. Yeah. You have to, see, you have to see the good of things. And, you know the lighting and the, the property management and and going into aerial photography. These were all all good things, and they all somehow connected. All the dots connected. Well, sure. Know, hey, what kind of plane did you go up in? Like, were you like in a small Cessna or what? What? what what's you know helicopter? How, what did you guys do? Yes, both actually, uh, Kevin. I uh, when I formed my own company, which is Top Shot Photography Limited, uh, since uh, pretty well pretty well retired from the business. Uh, we used the Cessna, we used uh, Cetabria, we used a little, you know, fabric aircraft, a high wing, a low wing, uh, a Bell Jet Ranger helicopter, which was phenomenal. Actually, I got to fly with, uh, with a, uh, a biologist and with a pilot who flew in Vietnam operating, who was flying, who was the pilot for the uh, Bell Jet Ranger helicopter. We flew out of Lac La Biche, Alberta, northern Alberta. We flew up towards the territories for a full day, full full day photo shoot, uh, shooting slides of, uh, uh, at that time, of uh, where waterways impacted on farms and where, where farms likewise impacted on waterways. And, so let uh, me ask you this. Were you in Jurassic Park? Because I just had visions of that. <laughs> I, I could just see you flying in, photographing those dinosaurs running all over the place. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it feels that way, for sure. For yeah. sure. Hey, I want to break break this just for a second, and I want to play uh, one of your poems. And this is called um, "Choice of the People." And this is, you know, for we talked about this a little bit earlier. John is a poet, you know, uh, first and foremost, and then you got into it. So this is uh, read by Professor Neil Freeman. So. Um, Why don't we get into that right now and play Choice of the People. Choice of the People. The choice began in some distant tower, after a storm, after a blossom, after a dying flower. Was the choice of the people? Was the choice to subjugate, to provocate, to face, to force, to decide, to go, to market, to be betrayed. In distant tower, choice marked the hour, marked the hour, marked the hour, till the hour separated. A flood, a thief, a communist, a priest, an anarchist, a crease, a crease. Monopoly in politics? A small Chinese boy, deceased, might have been Jewish. Catholic, might have been a boy without origin. Was it Berlin, Hong Kong, Israel, America, Russia, Sweden, Africa? Was it a bowl of cherries going bad? And the move in chess was mate. Who mated? A movie magazine rested on the couch next to a book of poems by Ezra Pound. But all this was a dream, was it? But then it is okay. Not everyone is dying. Some are already dead. But what about the choice 
of the people. My God. Fabulous. Tell me about that one. What inspired that choice of the people? How did you come up with that? Oh, gosh. Uh, Kevin, it seems to me we live in a, in a basically a beautiful world. Uh, unfortunately, parts of our parts of this earth, the Mother Earth, are uh, decimated by uh, by cruel uh, cruel intentions, uh, should I say? And uh, there are those that that uh, don't see the uh, the bright side of life. And I, I think that's where the term the choice of the people we have we have a choice in life. We have a choice to do good, to be good, and to to expect good and. Uh, uh, War, war, different, uh, different elements of of history and, and of life come and seem to intrude into our lives. The unfortunately, lately we see so much violence in schools and uh, violence in in America, violence in Canada, violence in Europe, uh, involving young children, involving old people, involving uh, uh, countries uh, that are uh, fighting over over what 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 are they fighting over? You know, it's. Uh, uh, it's not oil, that's for sure, because the price of oil is down to, what is it, down to less than $29 a barrel here in Canada. I don't know. So, I think it's always about the oil. It's either too high or it's too low. It's like people just invent reasons to, uh, and, and you know, a lot of governments do this too, unfortunately. You know? Well, that's right. That's it's, right. It's sad, but very true. So what and, can we do as artists? Well, I guess what we can do as artists is, uh, if you're if you're a painter or if you're a writer, is just, is talk about it. Talk about the, uh, uh, the the good side of life, about the, the better side of life. Uh, how how we can evolve as human beings and to uh, achieve what we're meant to what we're meant to achieve, what we're be what we're meant to be. And uh, I think I I really in my heart believe we are all each of us in this world are meant to be good people, and we've got to reach out. Sometimes dig very deep to hang on to that. Especially, I, I feel so sorry. My heart goes out to some of these uh, people in in Syria and and uh, uh, in China and different different parts of uh, parts of this world. In the Ukraine, where where there's uh, need, needless suffering, needless hurt, and uh, uh, I just uh, I, I hope I hope and trust that somehow some somewhere there is a, a solution for this before the world goes up in in a in biblical tradition where they talk about the, the, the fire and the flames of, you know, happening. Uh, I hope that doesn't, doesn't happen that way. We come back to reality, uh, sensibility. Well, that's a great response, John. I, I only, I ask that almost rhetorically and uh, really appreciate and admire your response. And, and I agree with you. I think having the conversation um, is very important, and uh, you hit it on the head. Like, if, as artists, all you can do is keep doing what you do and keep moving in a positive direction and hope that it catches a little fire for somebody. Maybe it's one person, but that one person is one more person that was not in that camp yesterday. So it, so it does have value, and uh, I think collectively around the world, uh, there are many, many people who who think like you and I on the Dharmic Evolution, who are out there just slugging away, just trying to present their art in a hope that, you know, it puts a little bit more love in the world. I, I quite agree. And, uh, you know, Kevin, going back to early times when I, when I grew up and dad was firstly in the army, then he became a hat maker and continued as a hat maker for some 50, 60 years. And, you know, uh, he, he's, dad and mom, dad and mom, uh, love them, miss them very much in our hearts. We, we know that they, uh, 
uh, they were there they were there for us and they 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 gave us this work work ethic the harder you work the luckier you get and yes uh, very true was, yeah, and you know it was years, years later after Dad was in the hat business that uh, they made the uh, the uh, Klondike black hat, which was presented to luminaries such as uh, Gerald Ford when he visited uh, Edmonton, as well as uh, uh, Henry Kissinger. They both received a copy of that hat, that black gold hat, and uh, I just, I just was so uh, so happy about that to see see those things happen, and you know. Uh, uh, if it wasn't for uh, for Dad, for for sisters Doris and Marion, who are also uh, Sister Marion, she's a very fine blogger, a very fine writer. Doris, a good musician, plays keyboard. Ted, of course, God bless him with his with his music. Uh, all these things, all all these things in our life, all contribute to 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 make us uh, who we are. And uh, you know, I can't uh, believe your dad was a hat maker. I only knew one other hat maker in my entire life, and uh, and his son Don Sternecker, who owns a recording studio, he was on uh, episode DE fourteen, and he's got some great stories. Um, not so much about the hat factory, but all of the people that uh, he recorded over the years. So it just reminded me of that. But hey, I wanted to ask you about this great story. You were a very young man, John, and you ended up going to Chicago. And you ended up meeting John Lee Hooker. <laughs> and then you wrote an article about him. He bought you a whiskey and a beer. You got sick, but you enjoyed the evening. Tell me about that encounter, because <laughs> that one's got to go up in lights, man. I, I see a whole movie on that thing. Uh, that, that was that was pretty cool, all right, no doubt. I, I, I went to Chicago uh, uh after uh, Vicky and I married, and uh, actually shortly after we got married, uh, she, Vicky was uh, becoming becoming a school teacher and going into uh, student teaching, and I had this uh, this job offer of a small firm in Chicago, and I went went there and did some book design and some uh, uh, editing, and uh, I, I love the city of Chicago very much. When when Vicky joined me in Chicago, we'd go out, we'd play tennis, uh, Lakeshore Drive, and we lived in a little uh, apartment on uh, uh, Kenmore Street, and then uh, Vicky, of course, went back to Canada and to continue with her with her teaching. We were kind of going back and forth, and I was in Chicago uh, by my lonesome and uh, happened to wander into old, the uh, old town, I believe, section of Chicago where there was a club, and I wandered into the club and. Uh, the place was just rocking. The walls were just shaking. The the girl was holding this tray with with the liquor, carrying it around at various tables. And I set myself down, and I had this piece of paper in my hand. And when uh, John Lee Hooker, who was the star of the of the evening, took a break, I went up to the stage and I held this little piece of paper in my hand and introduced myself and said, "John, I wrote this article about you in a cultural newspaper," and he. Put his hand around my around my uh, my shoulder and said, "Let's sit down, John. I think I better buy you a beer." And uh, we sat there, the two of us, during the break. And there I was, sitting in uh, in Chicago with John Lee Hooker, talking about his music and about California, about uh, his background. And uh, it was an awesome moment, uh, which I will never forget. Hey, let me ask you a question. When you sat with him and when you sat there listening to him play, did you have like an epiphany, like like I am now witnessing blues for the first time ever in my life. Was it I like would, that? 
I would say so, yes, absolutely. You know, when he did his boom, 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 and, you know, the, the deep voice, how, 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 yeah. you know, you're familiar. And, you know, Johnny Hooker was one of a kind. And uh, I, I understood that he was not a was not a prolific uh, uh, man on the guitar. He only knew a few chords. Right. But uh, what he did with those three chords, I guess, was uh, was incredible. And, and he was well-respected and probably – Probably, probably is down in history as one of the one of the top blues men who went on to play with ZZ Top and uh, with uh, uh, with you name it. He played with the Rolling Stones and numerous people. Just so Actually, authentic, I, right? It, sorry, he's so he was so authentic. He just so you know, authentic, like, so authentic. You're right. There you're was right. no question. It was like this is something really special. What this guy's doing, you know? That's right. Unfortunately, the the combination of of, of one beer and one whiskey didn't didn't hit hit. Uh, too well with me and i, I that's because you didn't hang out enough with him man you should have been there every <laughs> night you would have been fine <laughs> yeah right but yeah that was uh that was an incredible evening and an incredible uh, location uh uh in in chicago and uh uh, that city, uh, I'd love to go back and visit sometime. Uh, it's a great city. Yeah, it really is. Hey, we got to play another one. And I got to tell you, I share your lovely wife, Vicky's love for this song. This is called I'm a Fool for You, John Kitsko.
Hey, John, great song and great band. Love that. That's uh, High Park, is that? Yes, it is. Yes, uh, High Park uh, came out in the 80s, 80s basically, uh, uh, Kevin. And uh, myself, uh, Mark Talenko, I got involved with the band. Um, I would say more in a capacity of... Uh, of helping to tweak some of the music, the the primary primary movers and shakers, Ken Repko and his brother Daryl and other members of the band, uh, took that band to a level that uh, was very near success. Uh, they were they were opening for uh, bands like April Wine, uh, uh, Harlequin. Uh, uh, yeah, that's and, Ralph Murphy's band, April yeah, Wine. Yeah, 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 and you know they they were doing very well, and then for reasons unknown, the band. Uh, 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 fell to pieces and uh ken moved out to uh british columbia and uh brother daryl he just uh i believe he he plays informally now yeah. and uh i don't know what what happened but the band uh uh fell fell to the side and but the music was uh was and still is is great and uh yeah i still try to give them uh, give them good uh, uh airplay on social media occasionally and i know they've uh, they still do occasionally get airplay on some of the radio stations so uh, ken ken has moved out to uh osoyuz uh, ken repco to osoyuz uh, bc and operates a, a new band called wind it up uh with mickey spillett uh and others uh, two others in the band and uh they're uh, they're creating some good music down there right now so all the all the more power to to ken excellent but, Excellent. Yeah. You know, the, I love the track. Really, really good song. Great production. Hey, as we're winding down, I want to get one more question in because we're probably going to need another interview here, John, because this went way too fast. But let me ask you, <laughs> hey, what is your favorite out of all the things you do? I mean, you're you're a poet, uh, you're a musician, you're a songwriter, you're in production. Any favorite for you out of all of those? Well, you know, one thing you did not mention of the of the that uh, the affirmation. I'm in deep Listeners, trouble now. Look out! Not, not at all. Not at all. I, I, don't, I don't. Well, maybe you did mention, but the, uh, aerial photography really was. Uh, yeah. Really was, was an incredible part of of of, uh, of our lives because I would go out and I would shoot a bunch of uh, a bunch of pictures. As you as you know, at that time we were using film as opposed to digital, which they use now. Right. So, I would bring this film home. I'd give it to my wife. We had a, a lab in, in our basement, and she would process the pictures. I would go out and, and you know deliver them. So we had we had. Uh, so that's had, another creative process. Yeah, it is. It is you indeed. Know? You know, and and, and and Kevin, I had some of my uh, photography in the uh, Canadian Canadian Encyclopedia. I had the pictures shipped off to Japan and the corporate offices in, in Calgary. Uh, some of the major companies of uh, Shell and. Uh, 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 companies like Ensign and uh, Precision, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the oil, the oil patch was going very strong. So I was taking all these, all these pictures of farms and and oil and the gas industry and uh, rigs and going off to remote areas, working with uh, uh, incredible pilots, many of, of whom have gone on to uh, greater uh, jobs, like like flying for the major airlines, uh, WestJet and Air Canada, and Medevac and. Uh, 
I worked with pilots who were uh, ex-RCMP, Mounties, uh, policemen, uh, ordinary uh, people in the Army. Uh, great, a great bunch of people in the in the flying industry, and so that was uh, that was certainly certainly a, a creative process, but also a, a learning process. Uh, so you so you have quite the legacy of artistic value that you you have for people to check in on and share with, and uh, and you're you're still just getting warmed up, I suspect, my friend. So hey, let me ask you this: uh, What's the best place that we can get people to connect to you, John? Find out about you about all of your artistry your music your aerial um how do we connect to you oh my gosh you know i uh, i'm posting uh music and uh, occasionally photography on on facebook uh so uh, welcome to uh come into facebook and see me there and under john kitsko on facebook uh outside of that um you're on reverb nation Reverb Nation. Uh, Great. I, and you're I'm, on SoundCloud, my friend. SoundCloud, exactly. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, cool. How about, do you do you feel comfortable giving out your email address for people to reach out to you? Yeah, uh, certainly, certainly. At, uh, jkitsko at uh, gmail.com. Great. Yeah. And we'll have all of these links in the show notes. So anybody who is interested in John's work, co-writing, producing music, uh, aerial photography, whatever it is that got covered in this show, please reach out and support John. Uh, John, your music is amazing. Your stories are fabulous. I really enjoyed our time together. And uh, listen, my brother, I wish you all the success in the world. And thank you for being a part of Dharmic Evolution. Well, Kevin, it's been a, a pleasure and an honor to take part in your wonderful show. And you, sir, are, are awesome. And uh, I, I know uh, your shows are going to continue for years and years. And and uh, I could just about see you doing a show uh, on television. You know, one of these late night shows, talk shows. I could just about see you doing that. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, somebody said that to me recently. David Letterman, look out. But I think David's not even working anymore. I'm not even sure. But thank you very much for that compliment. John, it was wonderful. We'll speak soon, my brother. Thank you, sir. John Kitsko, music producer, songwriter, poet, aerial photographer, Ted and the Electric Bedframe. That would be a great band name. Pretty Little Sunshine Girl, First Class in a Big Black Cadillac, Choice of the People, I'm a Fool for You. And also having a drink and chatting it up with John Lee Hooker? Man, He's got some awesome content. He's just bursting with cool content. Hope you guys enjoyed John and all of his stories, his music, his positive outlook on the world, and what a pleasure to have him on Dharmic Evolution. Hey, for those of you who have left a review in iTunes, thank you so much. I really, it means so much to the continued growth of the show as we're able to serve more and more artists in a much bigger way. Thanks to you and your support, man. So keep it up. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's just awesome stacking up the cool for me. Hey, please head on over to dharmicevolution.com. Check out all the content on the site, including my coaching page. If you're a podcaster new to the space or thinking of becoming one, I can help you with that. Email me at kevin at dharmicevolution.com. There's also videos, photos, conversation, music, downloads, and links to all of my past guests on the site. Don't forget, the downloads are free. However, the content, it's priceless. 
Wednesday, March 9th, we're going to visit with Heather Waters, my first ever guest from South Africa. And I'm honored to share her very inspirational story with the world. Don't miss this one. That's it for me today. I'm your host, everybody, James Kevin O'Connor, singer, songwriter, audio, video artist, and master storyteller. So until the next time when we meet again, I'll either see on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. Let's do it.